Thank you for joining us today on the Sword and Trowel. Uh, Graham and I have the opportunity of speaking with Phil Johnson, who comes to us all the way from California, where he is the director of the Grace to You ministry, the public teaching ministry of John MacArthur. And Phil will also be with us in our January 18 through 20, 2024 Founders Conference, where we'll be, ad- be addressing the theme of remembering Jesus Christ. So today, as we have the conversation with Phil, we talk about the Christological controversies, some of them in the early church, and the importance of this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ for the modern church. So listen in. Welcome to the Sword and Trial. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us today because we have with us, uh, all the way from California, our wonderful friend, Phil Johnson. Phil, thank you for getting up early and joining us on the Sword and Trial today. (laughs) My privilege. I had to get up early today anyway. I'm actually flying to Finland this afternoon, so... Oh my goodness! Well, we're glad to get you before you got on the airplane. To that's uh, pretty close to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, thanks so much. Uh, how are things going out there? Grace to you, and you've been working there for what thirty years? Twenty? Forty years. Forty years. Forty years. Wow. Had my fortieth anniversary actually uh, during Shepherd's Conference this wow. year. Wow. My first week on the job in 1983 was Shepherd's Conference. Wow. It's a great way to start and. Uh, <laughs> So I've been to everyone ever since, and uh, so it's 40 now, 40 years. Wow. Well, Grace to You just has a worldwide reach. I mean, I I hear stories all the time from Mm -hmm. uh, places I had not heard of before where uh, Grace to You is gone and theological education has gone and churches have been planted, and uh, it's just it's wonderful. We've benefited certainly in our own congregation from that ministry and your faithfulness and John's faithfulness over many, many decades. So thanks, brother, mm-hmm. for the way that you've conducted yourself and stewarding uh, that wonderful opportunity. Thank you. It's been a privilege to work there all these years. You know, first time I ever heard Grace to You was the premier broadcast in 1979, and I was living there in Florida at the time, in the Tampa area. And Tampa had a station that was one of the first three stations in the country to carry Grace to You. So I think I was probably one of the first 50 people on the mailing list. <laughs> wow. And never dreamed that uh, eventually I'd be working that closely with John. And uh, it's just been a privilege. It's it's like a dream I have yet to wake up from. <laughs> well, that's a, a wonderful way to live. You know, my father was in a, uh, a Christian rock band back <laughs> around that same time, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and his band manager would uh, every week uh, have them listen to John MacArthur on the radio. And it was very, very influential in my father's life. How about that? Yeah, I had nice. no idea. Nice. Wow. It's amazing. Well, Phil, uh, thanks also for your willingness to come joining us in the January 2024 Founders Conference, where we're going to be addressing the theme of remembering Jesus Christ. That's uh, Paul's admonition to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.8. And you're going to be speaking on the incarnation and on Christ's intercession. And we're, we're excited about you being a part of that and excited about this whole conference, actually, because uh, it seems so basic that it can be easily overlooked. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, in fact, I would say, Tom, that one of the one of the great failures of the evangelical movement for uh, the past hundred years has been to take uh, 
fundamental doctrines, basic doctrines like the incarnation of Christ, take them for granted and and really not do much careful teaching on it. Yeah. And as a result, I think a lot of uh, <clears throat> misunderstanding and and uh, heterodoxy has sort of crept into evangelical churches, particularly with regard to the incarnation and Trinitarian doctrines. So I'm glad you're dealing with this subject. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You know, if you think about it from the past hundred years, um, you know, two, three generations ago, they were kind of just assuming the doctrine of the incarnation. Well, the generation that followed them uh, didn't have much understanding of what the incarnation was at all. And the generation that followed them uh, just doesn't really think about the incarnation mm. at all. Um, and so, yeah, there is a lot. I think it does result in a lot of misunderstanding. So this most basic fundamental truth of the Christian religion, uh, diving down deep into it, mining out some of the gems and some of the gold that's in that doctrine. I was talking uh, to our Sunday school class a couple weeks ago. You know, this is, we have things in common with Judaism and Islam and that we're monotheistic and some of our doctrine of God is similar. But the, the thing that really um, makes us a different religion, I mean, you can talk about the Trinity and all that is incredibly important, but the fact that God assumed a human mm. nature, it's, it's massive. It's unthinkable. It's a stumbling block. It's foolishness to the Jews and to the Greeks. Yeah, that's right. And it, it uh, has implications uh, far beyond the doctrine of salvation. Mm -hmm. It has implications for ontology and thinking about the world that really is mm -hmm. and the relationship of grace to nature. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there, there's just, it seems like there's no end to yeah. what this event uh, can teach us, should teach us, and how we should order our lives and think about things in the light of that. So, Phil, you have been, uh, you've been ministering, pastoring there, mm -hmm at uh, Grace out in California for a long time. You've had many opportunities to see some of the challenges that come when doctrines like the Incarnation or the doctrine of the Trinity, the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit uh, go awry or, or have been assumed. So what, what have you done? What, what's, um, what are things that you keep in mind and together with your fellow elders to keep training, keep teaching people, because we get new Christians all the time in our churches, hopefully, and uh, they need to be taught. And we can't just say, well, we taught that 10 years ago. Do you guys mm -hmm. have a plan? Do you guys have some kind of intentional way systematically where you're thinking, okay, these things need to be set before God's people on a recurring basis? Yes, I think it helps that there's a seminary in the backyard of our church. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're we're loaded every Sunday with seminary students who mm. who are doing in-depth study and asking questions that uh, maybe the, the average pastor wouldn't get. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, the one thing about the incarnation is it's a surprisingly complex yeah. doctrine. It's not yeah. something you can just superficially grasp and say, okay, I've got that. Mm. If you think about early church history, the first 300 or almost 400 years of church history were racked with debates about the incarnation, mm -hmm. people trying to sort out how to explain God became man. How do you explain the Trinity? How do you, how do you deal with the deity and preexistence of Christ? And uh, they would settle one error and another one would crop up at the opposite extreme. And so mm -hmm. sort of ping pong back and forth with every conceivable Christological error. Uh, and all of them had to be addressed and, dealt with. And so the language refined and, and the, the our, our creedal statements, you know, settled and agreed upon by the people of God. 
400 years of that kind of debate. And uh, so much so that these days, when you hear someone who misunderstands some important element of the Godhead, you can generally go back to church history and find this is mm-hmm. not a new idea. It's been mm-hmm. proposed before, and here's how it was answered before. Mm-hmm. So, th- so the answer to your question is how do you keep up? You have to do a lot of reading and study, uh, and, and I don't think it's a doctrine you can approach without some knowledge of church history and historical theology. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, in my younger years, I sort of tried to do that, thinking, well, this is not that complex. I'll understand it. But the more I delved into it, the more I realized uh, it's, a, it's a huge issue. And, and as you said, important for every other realm of our doctrine. It's not just about soteriology, not just about, you know, theology proper, but what you think about the incarnation is going to spread its tentacles into your entire uh, confession of faith. And so it's important to get it right. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of The Sword in the Trial. We just wanted to remind you of our upcoming National Founders Conference that is coming up next January 18th through the 20th. That's January 2024. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time of encouragement. The theme is Remember Jesus Christ, so it's an entire conference devoted to Christology. Uh, Tom Askell, Conrad and Bayway, Paul Washer, Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, and Travis Allen will all be there speaking at the conference. And we're delighted to be able to announce today that Allie Beth Stuckey will also be joining us as a special guest as well at this upcoming conference. She'll be doing a live podcast with us, with Tom and me, and she'll also be doing a breakout session for all the ladies in attendance as well. So if you want to come and sign up for the conference, you can do so at founders.org slash conference. We'd love to see you there. One of the things that we do here at our Grace, Grace Baptist Church, uh, is that we recite the um, Apostles' Creed every morning and the Nicene Creed every evening service. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't always give commentary on it, but it's helpful in that when we're preaching a, a, a text that has something to do with the Incarnation or on the Trinity, we can often reference back. Right. Uh, in my my four-year-old, his favorite part of the Nicene Creed is light of light. He, <laughs> and whenever we recite it, it, he gets real loud at the light of light part. <laughs> Um, and that's a phrase that you can look over um, yeah. and just kind of assume that you know what it means. But there's so much depth just in those three little words, light of light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found that to be uh, wonderful as well. Uh, and oftentimes I'm sitting with grandkids whenever uh, in the evening we do the Nicene Creed. And I, man, my heart just overflows to mm-hmm. hear them. You know, they can't read some of them. And yet they've, they've got most of those phrases down and mm-hmm. they can recite them. Say praise God, you know that's that's like a cage that mm-hmm. uh, is in their mind that hopefully will keep them from uh, running down roads that will take them into bad paths. And there's a lot of bad paths that are being pursued today mm-hmm. uh, by people within evangelical circles. And I don't I don't think many of them necessarily mean uh, to be crazy, mm-hmm. but they just haven't been precise, or they're just not thinking deeply enough. Phil, as you talked about, from what God taught our fathers in history. And so sometimes they will talk of Jesus as if he had no humanity mm-hmm. or they'll talk about the man, Jesus, as if he's not God. Mm-hmm. And boy, some of the stuff 
that uh, comes out makes you you cringe and blush and, and get angry. Or they'll talk about his human nature as though we're just kind of in an appendage. Or they'll talk about him as really kind of two different persons, a human person and a divine person. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's just, you know, I think about the um, a few years ago, back during the Young Restless Reformed resurgence, and there was there were quite a few reformed people, Calvinistic people, who wanted to deny um, the doctrine of the eternal generation of the Son mm. because they thought that it wasn't a biblical doctrine. So they had right motivations. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be faithful to the Scriptures, and we see this language of eternally begotten of the Father. Where is that? That's not anywhere in the Bible, so we're just going to totally reject that, even though it's in... Mm-hmm. in the creed. Um, and I think that did a lot of damage to a lot of people, a lot of people's faith. Yeah, yeah I, and I would argue it is in the Bible. In fact, it's in the most familiar verse of all. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Only begotten Son of God. <laughs> if you truly understand, I think, what that word means and, and how it should be translated, yeah. the doctrine's there. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think, uh, like the ESV and a lot of modern translations, it's one and only Son. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, rather than only begotten. So, I mean, Phil, have, have, uh, have you seen that debate? Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen good people divide mm-hmm. over this and some dig in yes. their heels where they shouldn't. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Yeah, of course. Uh, that, that's always been controversial. Even Spurgeon, who believed in eternal generation, said he didn't like the term. Uh, and I'm, I'm very sympathetic with that point of view. It's a confusing term because mm-hmm. generation seems to talk about origins, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but the biblical point is the oneness of essence between the Father mm-hmm. and the Son. Uh, it's not about where the Son began because he had no beginning, and Scripture's clear about that. But you can see how it becomes confusing, and it's a term that's almost impossible to explain, uh, it, it, at least if you're familiar with how we normally use expressions like generation and begetting. Uh, so yeah, I understand. I understand the difficulty people have with it, but that's that's a classic example of one of those doctrines that, if you study it really and read uh, some of the discussions that have taken place throughout church history, and why did the early church settle on that language? Uh, I, I think it'll it'll broaden your mind and change your opinion on whether that really is a biblical concept or not. Yeah, when I first heard the the phrase eternally begotten or eternal generation, I I thought that, you know, it that seems to be talking about some sort of Arian heresy that, that the father created the son at some point in time. But, I mean, you go back and read the church fathers, they were using the, the eternal generation language to refute the Arians. Well, that's and exactly what you said, that it's, it's teaching us of the oneness of the essence between the father and the son. Yeah, and if you deny it, if you take away the generation of the son, you've, you've, eliminated the one biblical statement that that uh, that shows the distinction between father and son Mm -hmm. that is the distinctive of the son that he's generated by the father Mm -hmm. you know the the best thing that i've read on this in the modern debates was written by tom nettles i think it was two articles we published on uh, founders.org because he had friends on, on both sides of the debate and he thought they were just talking past each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can't make the accusations you're making stick to this brother who's demonstrated in other contexts and forums that he is not guilty of the heresy that you're concerned about. And uh, so Tom had that very spirit that you just described with Spurgeon. You know, yeah, the, the language is problematic, but the, the, the teachings, the doctrinal precision is absolutely essential. And mm-hmm. we, we've got to be willing 
to say it the best we can and realize some people may may hiccup when they try to say it exactly the way we do, but we need to dig deeper and say, what what is it we're contending for and what is it we're rejecting? Mm-hmm. And when you can get those things on the table, um, you may not be able to put it together in one phrase or one sentence, but I think we can find common ground. And one of the things, quite honestly, Phil, that frustrates me is it seems like there are brothers who are unwilling to do that. You know, if you don't say it the way we say it, well, then yeah. you're suspect. Right. Well, for generations, uh, really for more than a century, evangelicals have taken doctrine in general in a pretty superficial way. And and a lot of us, I think, are are, are so accustomed to that. It, it's, it's important not to decide that doctrine is supposed to be dealt with in a superficial way. It isn't. And mm. the, the deeper you dig, the, uh, the richer it becomes, but there's nothing wrong with digging deep. And, and I think we could use more of that in the evangelical movement. Mm. Yeah. Amen. No, no argument from me there. Uh, well, we're looking forward to the conference, man. It's, it's going to be wonderful. We uh, pray. I'm praying every day, praying for you every day as I uh, think about what's coming up in January, asking God to bless. But uh, we've got Conrad and Bayway who also scheduled to be with us and Joel Beakey scheduled to be with us. Travis Allen, who's your old friend and used to be a coworker with you, I guess. Uh, yeah. They're at grace to you. Who's become a friend of mine over the last, I don't know, six, seven years or so. And I uh, just uh, love him dearly. Appreciate his preaching ministry as well. And then also Paul Washer is going to join us. Just talking to Paul recently and he's mm-hmm. uh, agreed to come and be a part of this as well. So we're looking forward to the conference. I think it's going to be a wonderful time. Encourage you to go to founders.org. If you haven't heard any more about it, you can register there. Um, pray for Phil, pray for us as you make your plans, whether you can join us or not, we're going to be live streaming it for free. So we'll make it available as far as we can. And uh, just remember that this theme, this doctrine of Christ is not something that we can afford to assume. We've got to be diligent to think clearly, to go back to Scripture and realize what Jesus said, that all the Scripture is about him. If that's true, we don't understand any Scripture Mm. until we see it in relationship to the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Well, Phil, thank you so much, brother, for joining us today. Uh, You're on your way out of the country, so the Lord bless you in your international ministry, and we look forward, God willing, to seeing you here in southwest Florida in January 2024. I'm excited about that. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Sword and Trial. If this has been helpful to you, we would encourage you to pass it around, let other people know about it. And if we can serve you in any way at Founders, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. It would be our joy to try to do so. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is forgetting. We, we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. 
The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.